0: What's going on, everybody? Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of The World Report with me, Jean-Luc Welch. That's right, make some noise. Clap it up, get excited wherever you want. Slap somebody upside the head and tell them that it's time to listen to the greatest show in all the globe, The World Report. That's right, we got a jam-packed episode for you today with Tommy Fury. Beating Jake Paul, my breakdown of the fight, as well as the reaction, my reactions to the fight, as well as John Jones is coming back against Surreal Gone for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. My goodness, you want to talk about a highly anticipated event? That is something that many people have been clamoring for seeing John Jones back in the ring, I'm going to give you my thoughts and opinions on that whole event and what's how I think the fight is going to go. So... Without further ado, quick plug leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts on your opinion, subscribe to the channel, and please share the channel with everybody that you know so we can help build this empire together like we've been doing. We're already at three, what was it, 326, 325 subscribers. Good. Gosh, we have just been briskly moving on up, and we can keep on moving if you share the videos and channels with everybody. We want to make this community together. Invite people in. Oh, yes, we talk about anything and everything. Everybody's welcome right here on the World Trip. But without further ado, let's get right into it because, good gosh, it's time to step into the ring. That's right. It's time to fight, baby. Ring the bell. Let's get it started. Round one. Going on the way right now well, first off, before we cover the J-ball fight, quickly, I would like to cover for round one, Badu Jack becoming a three-division world champion, knocking out Ilunga Makabu. My goodness, my, for, for those people who don't know, Badu Jack came into this fight 27-3 with 16 KOs, already a two-division world champion at, at, what was it, at super middleweight and light heavyweight, making this third attempt, or making another attempt for a third, title at cruiserweight against the killer Ilunga Makabu who up in uh, or before this fight or before the result of this fight 29k or 29 wins excuse me two losses 25kos mind you Makabu was the brother who Canelo Alvarez was looking to fight or was speculated to fight if he had made it past Dimitri Bebo. of course he didn't but hey Makabu was going to be on that list if Canelo was able to be successful at, like, every Now, if you don't know who Macabu is and Badu Jack is, Badu Jack, first off, has been on the undercard of every single major event, and you probably didn't even realize it. Don't believe me? Remember when Mike Tyson came back and fought Roy Jones Jr.? Badu Jack was on that undercard. Oh, Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul? Badu Jack was on that undercard. Usyk versus Joshua? Badu Jack was on the undercard. This man just goes out of his way or rather goes under our noses and just every single major event just pops up out of nowhere and either takes a belt or gets a big time fight. And, or, or or has one of the better fights of the night on a consistent basis. And or, like I said before, he takes a belt. It's just like, what the world? I've been seeing this, brother, everywhere. Everywhere. Every single time I tune into a major event, he just somehow pops up. And he did it again tonight on to, uh, Tommy Fury versus Jake Paul on their undercard. Fighting again, Ilonga Makabu, who is a killer. Legitimately a killer. This man is one of the most feared punchers, not just in the cruiserweight division, but just across the board. This brother has got, he uh, 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 he's hes it's stupid how strong he is. It's stupid how scary he is with his power. But Jack was able to pull it out. He outboxed Makabu all night long, moved around the ring, kept his distance away, was able to use his speed and combination punching to get in the middle of Makabu's punches as well as use his speed. To make sure to make to make Makabu have to move. As powerful as Makabu is, he is not a great mover. He's a plotter, as more as many people could call it. And J- Body Jack used that against him for and he made it so that he was a moving target, hard to hit, hard to read, and then knocked him down in the fourth, which was a shock. Because many people questioned whether Body Jack even had the power moving up to cruiserweight to be able to actually hurt. Macabo, we thought it was going to be if he did win off a points decision split decision in my estimation but he was able to counter him with a hook and no uppercut was it a hook or uppercut one of the two in round four had him tumbling into the ropes got back up kept on boxing kept on moving then it knocked him down in round 11 and then knocked him out got a tko stoppage in round 12. bondu jack is 39 years old if you don't if you did not know, this man is pushing 40, and he's still collecting belts left, right, and sitting I don't know if he can move up to heavyweight now. I think that this is where he needs to stop, stay right here. Because, again, like I always have concerns with people, whenever they move up or down, it has an effect on the body. And, yes, he's been gradually doing it, but the point still stands is... What's the limit going to be, especially now that he is a, again, three-division world champion? Can he keep on moving up? Could he potentially go to heavyweight or, or, or bridge weight if the the, the, the half-step up to heavyweight if, they, if he chooses to go down that route? If the, it, something is it a weight class? Is it not a weight class? I'm not sure. I've heard so many different things. I'm gonna assume the next step is heavyweight if he does try or tries to do what I would love for him to do. Stay in reign. Stay and rule. Stay and maybe try to collect all the belts and become undisputed. Potentially, I'm not saying it's he will. I'm not saying I'm not saying he can or can't. I'm saying I would like to see that trajectory for him in his career because the brother even though he's 39 years old the man just keeps on fighting at a high level and doesn't seem to show many um effects of age dwindling his ability to box so i would love to see him keep on going keep on fighting i want to see him hurt but if he can ride this ship for as long as he can Hey, keep it afloat and keep it moving. That's what I would say. And this was, again, a phenomenal performance. Congrats to Badu Jack. Making it, again, doing the work, doing the business. Really just uh, constantly surprising me not only because he just appears everywhere (laughs) but because the fact that this man is this old and still clicking at this high of a level in terms of fighting in the boxing sphere. so congratulations him, my goodness i can't wait to see what's next for badu jack keep your eyes on him now you better not be surprised next time you see him on a card because this brother might sneak up and be on every major card for the rest of the year who knows because he just shows up everywhere i mean this kid it could i'm telling you i can't wait to see him next time he fights and i'm probably gonna see him real soon with the way he keeps popping up on every single undercard but now that we've gotten that out of the way this time oh it's time for round two yes sir the main event of the night at least for this past weekend tommy fury versus jake paul and man i was wrong about this fight and thank the lord I was wrong because I said if you didn't watch my last video on this, I said that essentially, Tommy, I picked Jake Paul to win because I did not see Tommy Fury actively take not only one taking the fight seriously and actually being committed to putting giving his all, but also I didn't see him committed to actually sticking to the game plan of using his reach, staying on the outside, using his jab. In order to draw draw Jake Paul in and legitimately use his boxing ability to, and I quote myself, take advantage of Jake Paul's still developing boxing mind, like I said in the last show. And look what happened. Good gosh, he did everything that I asked for him to do. He actually Boxed legitimately, he showed the level that he's at versus where Jake Paul is at in terms of their ability to actually understand and execute the the game plan of boxing or or the the fundamentals of boxing within this hollowed sport. So, let's break down the fight, shall we? How in the world did this happen? Well, tell me for you one because a couple things one, like I said before, use his jab, actively use his jab and reach to keep. Jake Paul on the outside. See, this is the thing. Out, like I said, outside of Anderson Silva, no other boxer actually use the physical gifts to their full advantage in order to make Jake Paul have to work hard. And what happened? Tommy Fury actively used his jab, used his reach, made it, caught Jake Paul multiple times throughout the night in the middle of his punches because of his length and snappiness with his jab to interrupt his forward momentum, forced him to always have to reset and have to regroup because he can't find out a way to get on the inside. Then and, and, and it worked. It worked. It really did work. From that jab, he was able to set up combination punch. He had a bunch of flurries, good, solid flurries. I think the sharpest flurries that we've seen Jake actively take, again, outside of Anderson Silva. I think Anderson Silva was missing a, a lot of those punches in his fight because of, again, age, and he's relatively new to sport. Now that Jake Paul face off again, against an opponent who is actually within his age group, within his weight, and has actually done this, Jake Paul does not understand effectively how to get around the jab. And Tommy Fury took advantage of that. Action. And he looked comfortable. Tommy Fury wasn't in there uh, uh, tight or concerned. He was actively calm. He looked like he belonged there. He looked like this is where it was supposed to be. So he fought like he was supposed to be there, unlike we've seen other fighters against Jake Paul. He wasn't rattled with something that was very concerned with with Tommy Fury because this was going to be or rather this was the biggest stage that Tommy Fury had ever been on in his young career we've seen Jake Paul already reach that zenith in terms of being the the, not only the main attraction but with the most pressure in terms of all eyes on him Tommy Fury hadn't been in that position before Tommy Fury's either been on the undercard or fought bums or both and both of which in terms of fighting on the undercard or fighting a bump, doesn't prepare you for the level of of weight that can that can come upon an opponent when they get into a fight, especially when you're, one, the main event, and two, fighting with your lineage, with your boxing career, and your family name on the line. And Tommy Fury, with, despite all of that, looked like, yeah, I'm supposed to outmatch this cat in terms of I'm supposed to outmatch Tommy Fury. Let me act like I'm supposed to do that. So this don't even mean to get all tense. I just need to fight. And that's exactly what he did. And he had he had head movement. He was actually fainting. He was using the ring to his advantage, constantly moving around, not staying stationary. Although there were some times we were staying stationary, posturing up, kind of rubbernecking at Jake Paul and... and, and but it wasn't just rubbernecking in terms of stationary. No, he was standing still left, right, in kind of herky jerky movements, not calling him his brother, but similar somewhat to his brother Tyson Fury, and kind of making Jake Paul uncomfortable. My goodness, finally making Jake Paul uncomfortable, not finally making him second guess what whether or not he can throw that right hand and be confident that it will land he actually did it and he actually didn't sit in the pocket at least for the for, for the whole of the fight he didn't sit in the pocket and just say oh ooh, 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 come on let me see what you can do no he was he understood the risk moved accordingly i wish he had moved to Jake Paul's left hand, while Jake Paul's left hook was connecting, it's not the lethal weapon, and the the killer, and the main thing that ends fights in terms of for Jake Paul. And so I would rather him get hit with that than get hit with the right hand. You know, he kept circling with his right that shooter. Jake Paul had caught on; he could have set up Tommy Fury to get caught with that right hand because he was circling into that direction. But hey, he didn't, and so hey, tough loss to him. But Tommy Fury. Actively did everything that I thought he wasn't going to do to make this fight possible, or rather, to make this fight happen in terms of getting in favor of him. And he won scorecards 76 73, 76 73, and 75 74. uh, the first two cards for Fury 76 73 for the first two, last one 75 74 was for Jake Paul. I don't think Jake Paul won any. Um, what well, I'm not gonna say you didn't win any, but I don't think J. Paul. It should have been a unanimous decision for me, but judges will be judges. I think the knockdown probably changed the fight. Speaking of the knockdown, Tom Fury did the one did did a stupid thing, and it was the same thing that got uh, Anderson Silva knocked down in this fight as well. He lost his not lost his foot. Excuse me. He got into a position where if he got caught, he would have been off balance and field. When he got knocked down with the jab in the eighth round, which would have been a game changer, my goodness. When I tell you I thought if that when the Thomas Fury got knocked down in the eighth, that this fight was just going to be either a a draw or B for Jake Paul. I was throwing fits. I was having connections. I was yelling and screaming all throughout my house. It was terrible. It was terrible. And the only reason why Tommy Fury got caught caught with that, well, not got caught with the jab, but got knocked down with that jab was because of the fact that in the eighth, he did this, he made the same mistake that Anderson Silver made to Jake Paul, which was he let his feet, he didn't let his feet get under him. In terms of, imagine these two fists are your legs or foot placement per se. If one's in front of the other, boom, okay, balanced. Shoulder length apart, boom. Okay, cool. But when you bring both feet together and you get caught, there is a very high likelihood that you can get sent back because now you don't have the stability needed to keep your balance once that shot connects. And that's what happened with Tommy Free. Tommy Free got caught with a jab. His feet were not stable when he got caught trying to trade jabs with Jake Paul, and then, boom, knocked his head back. Was a good jab, but knocked his head back. Legitimate punch, legitimate counter, and legitimate knockdown. Thankfully, they didn't hurt him. Jake Paul tried to make a quick flurry. Tommy Fury actually goes in and does combination punching. And thankfully, even though he lost the round, didn't lose the fight. So now, this is where we are. This is where we are. We're living in a society where we where many people have been asking and clamoring for Jake Paul to lose. Will it ever happen? Can it ever happen? And a fighter finally did it. A, a boxer finally won. Like I said in the last episode, it wasn't that when will Jake Paul lose. It's when will a boxer win? Because all they had to do is put the pieces together. And just take advantage of the weaknesses that Jake Paul has. And somebody finally did it. Now we can sit here and say two things. One, Jake Paul is a legitimate boxer. I don't care what anybody says. He's given me enough credence, enough repertoire, and enough bodies on his resume to be able to say he is a legitimate boxer. On top of the fact that the only person that could actually beat him was a boxer. Now, however, even with him being a boxer, he is a bad boxer. That's the second thing. Tommy Fury is also a bad boxer. So here's the thing about this whole fight. This was against a fighter who is below solid in terms of Jake Paul facing Tommy Fury referencing or talking about tommy fury tommy fury is not a great boxer tommy fury is not a good boxer tommy fury is not a solid boxer tommy fury is a below average boxer not gonna say bad because he's beating bad opponents but he's looked bad doing it so he's below average just above bad which isn't really saying much but you showed or this fight showed even with a bad boxer that knows what they're doing in the ring and actually understands the fundamentals of the sport and have been around the sport, they can beat Jake Paul. So we till Jake Paul is a bad boxer. Now, relatively against the competition, he f- had a good fight. He did. When I see good fight, in terms of it looked like okay, hey, yeah, it's a boxer facing another boxer. It just looked like a bad boxer facing a below-average boxer. Which the below-average boxer would beat a bad boxer nearly every time. Nearly every time. But a below-average boxer would never be the solid boxer. If that escalation of talent makes sense. That's where Jake Paul is right now. Jake Paul is a bad boxer. And because of that, where does he move from here? He can't move up and try to fight another boxer with a better record than Tommy Fury. or that's on the level of Tommy Fury. Now, again, granted full disclaimer, he does have a rematch. Let's not get it twisted. He does have a rematch clause to this fight. So, it could be a situation where we see Jake Paul have to do a rematch, fight against Tommy Fury again. I mean, I'll watch it. I think I know what's gonna happen, but either way, in terms of what I think is gonna happen, Tommy Fury is gonna win. Hopefully, this time by knockout. It should be by knockout next time they fight. But Tommy Fury, like I said, Tommy Fury is not a—he's—he's a, he a below-average boxer, and Jake Paul is a bad boxer. Jake Paul says he wants to fight again. If he fights Tommy Fury, I'll have—I have him losing again. Because now I know what Tommy Fury is actually going to do. So I'm taking it seriously. Yes, he will beat Jake Paul again if they face again. I'll call it by knockout this time because I don't think he's gonna, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be more open to throw those flurries that really had Jake Paul in trouble throughout the fight. But if Jake Paul fights anybody else on that caliber, there, it's it's not gonna be great. He's gonna lose. And if you fight somebody below his caliber, where everybody's gonna be saying, well, what are you doing? What why 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 are you fighting? Why what you already showed that you're not you're better than this. So it's a lose. It's all, you can almost call this a lose-lose situation for him potentially. Because now he's in limbo. Because you know where he can't, who he what level he can't be at. And what level he can't compete with. And we also know what level he can compete with. But the level that he can't compete with. And the opposition that's most likely going to be calling him out. Are so close together. Yet so bad. People are going to be asking and clamoring for. Yo what's going on? Why are you moving down in competition? If you get what I'm saying. Now the, the typical. Typical. Roadmap of a boxer coming up is that they face a lot of bad opponents. But that's normally for somebody just breaking into you know, the boxing world, which Jake Paul is. However, the difference is Jake Paul is a big name jumping into the boxing world. It's not like a no-name who's making his way and becoming something everybody wants to talk about. Jake Paul's already something that everybody wants to talk about, going into this domain of boxing. And because of that, his scrutiny or scrutiny is going to be upon him because of his just cachet and name value and celebrity status, it's going to be a lot stricter. And now that we've seen him lose, people are going to, it's, it's a lose-lose situation in terms of what step he takes from here. Because if he moves up, everybody's going to say, oh, he absolutely doesn't belong. If he moves down and fights lesser competition or MMA fighters again or YouTubers and or celebrities Outside of KSI because everybody just wants to see that fight happen because it's been clamored for for years. Even with this loss, it's still a fight that people will pay to see. But outside of that, like, it's going to be a, a situation where at this point, what is the payoff for Jake Paul to continue? Beyond the rematch with Tommy Fury and... The KSI fight. What is the motivation? Because based on what I saw on his on his Instagram, a real story or whatever, got paid thirty million for the fight, even though he lost. Made big Beck Is not undefeated anymore. No longer, you know, the, the the shine of him and the clamoring for him to be beat now has probably died down significantly even though it's still a high volume for people to want to see him lose it's not nearly as big in terms of what it was at the zenith of him being in the boxing sphere and everybody wanted to see this brother get knocked out that was just the truth unbiased truth everybody wanted to see him get knocked out a lot of people paid money cj paul get knocked out and or lose one of those two happening they want to see the knockout but they just at minimum want to see him lose now that he's lost What are people going to still be willing to pay to see him fight? Are people still going to be willing to pay to watch him go up against other people at or below his competition? Because he just lost you the name that everybody knew that everybody was, that, again, it's probably one of the biggest names that he could have gotten because he's of who that name is related to. Tommy Fury, the brother of Tyson Fury. Now, with the O oh, no longer on his resume, with a loss on his record, is it worth the investment to keep going out, keep training, keep fighting, and potentially lose again for potentially not even a good chunk of the money? Potentially getting humiliated if, like I said, if he moves up or fighting just with the loss of interest because now uh, you, you you you're lost, and we don't see you boxing legitimately as a career. So why take any of these fights seriously? This has been a side show that has really gained traction in terms of a lot of people's eyes. Maybe people were tired of seeing it. They wanted to see him lose. Again, it wasn't that because they wanted to see a fight. It's because a loud mouthed dude who talks a lot of smack, disrespectful, He's coming up and stepping to a bunch of people. Everybody wants to see him get knocked out. That is what made this whole adventure so interesting. Because we, people wanted to see him lose, yet he was knocking people out. Started with YouTubers, then he went to athletes, then it went to MMA fighters. Slowly but surely elevating his competition. Which again, is, is the trajectory of a fighter. But now is he still he says he wants to take it seriously jake paul says that he still wants to fight he says he's going to come back but come back for how long if he does because if he loses to tommy fury again in the rematch because he has a rematch clause then this ride is essentially over it's already derailed for him this ride is essentially over if he loses again to tommy fury and or once he fights Jake Paul, if he or excuse me, once he fights KSI, let's say me if he fights that, he fights KSI and loses. Well, then the yeah, this journey's over. There's, it's, it's like at this point in time, he, he, it's, it's like Sonic and the Lives Marker at the top of the screen. He, he had two. He lost one. The next time, or excuse me. He had one, and he lost one of his lives. He's down to zero in terms of on the marker, meaning if you die again in the game, it's game over. If Jake Paul loses again, oh, this thing's over. It's over. If he gets knocked out, oh, it's definitely over. If he loses on points, it's over. Split decision, it's over. Unless it's a close split decision. Unless it's a split decision that he actually should have won, it's over. It is over. And I and I don't know where he'll go in terms of how he will continue with his competition level. Cause let's say he fights Tommy Fury and loses again. The only other fight is Jake Paul is not Jake Paul. The only other fight for Jake Paul is KSI. And after that, win or lose versus KSI. Where in the world does he go? Where does he go? W- what does he do? Does he then just fully go in? Will he go into just full boxing mode, full into the boxing sphere, and legitimately fight journeymen on a consistent basis, building up a actual resume, getting his skills cultivated more and more and more, or is that going to be it? It's it's a fine line with him because there's so that now there's no leeway for him to actually move. There was, like I said, YouTubers, athletes, NBA players, MMA fighters, MMA champions, one of the greatest of all time from the MMA, and then now a legitimate boxer, a, a below average boxer. Now that he's lost to the below average, he can only fight the bad. Because the bad are on his level. And if he goes lower, nobody's going to want to see it because now we know, okay, now you're a legitimate boxer who's fighting non-legitimate boxers and acting like it's something spectacular. Now that we've seen you in there, with somebody that we all recognize as hundred percent about this boxing life, about the sport, grew up in the sport, and you're lost, and you move down to go fight lesser competition, it's gonna be a big hullabaloo in terms of how we view as fans you in your career. And how are we going to view every fight from that point on? At least from my perspective, I could be wrong. Absolutely. But I don't think I am. If I am, please, oh, absolutely, comment down below and and give your thoughts and opinions. But I, I I don't think that there's a whole bunch of wiggle room for him to actually move forward outside of actively winning. And at this point, winning by knockout, if he rematches Tommy Fury. Because if he loses to Tommy Fury and then moves down, well, now you're fighting less competition as a legitimate boxer. If you beat K S, if you beat K S I, there can be a potential stain and say, "Hey, what the world? You're you're a legitimate boxer fighting a non-legitimate boxer." People might hold, people might hold that against him. Or if he loses to K S I, then boom! Oh no, oh, this brother. Yeah, he wasn't really out there. He was just facing old athletes, non-fighters, or whatever. It's a lose-lose situation for them. And again, couples with the fact people people hate them. People hate them. Warranted or not, people hate them. I'm not here to say what that, I mean, shoot. I would say, hey, I can understand exactly why. But I'm not here to cast judgment or disparaging words on anybody. Oh, no, this is just analyzing. Analyzing. Oh, it's understandable why they hate them. It's understandable exactly why people want to see him lose. And it's going to be understandable why people stop caring if he does not, one, beat Tommy Fury, and two, stay in his boxing game and fight competition at or above his level. Even though if he faces people above his level, he's going to get knocked out. If he faces people below his level, he's going to get criticized. So it's really, that's what has me questioning. What is it that Jake Paul is going to do to actively find motivation to stay doing this like he's been touting that he wants to do? Even though I think a lot of that was just bumping gums, just talking the talk, shooting the breeze, spitting in the wind, as they would say. It, 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 it probably just to hype up fights and to get more interest, but I don't think from this point on, after this Tommy Fury rematch, if he loses, I think he's done. It's Tommy Fury payday, KSI payday, and then that's it. That's it. One loser draw. That's it. This whole thing that we all made a big fuss about isn't going to happen. Doesn't ever continue in boxing. I don't see it happen. And now, thankful for what he did for the sport, thankful for bringing all the eyes and new fans, thankful that he's putting people on for two people like Badu Jack and Inlonga Makabu. Thankful for putting people on like Amanda Serrano, getting women's boxing up legitimately. He's had a big hand in helping elevate the sport of boxing regardless of what you want to say about it but in the ring specifically i don't see this happening for any longer than two fights the rematch with tommy fury and then inevitably because we know that people will lose interest in a fight if it either a takes too long or somebody takes too many losses in ksi Outside of Tommy Fury is the only other fight that anybody would be remotely interested in seeing now because he never him fighting an MMA fighter no more. We don't want to see him fight person like Hacine Rahman because we know Hacine uh, Rahman will get knocked, or not will get knocked down. Will knock out Jake Paul. We know that's going to happen. Anybody on that level. So outside of KSI and Tommy Fury, that's it. That's going to be it. In terms of his in-ring boxing career, so ho- hopefully he keeps on doing what's doing in terms of women's boxing and promoting other boxers and getting people like Amanda Serrano and others to really get the shine that they deserve. Clarissa Shields or whatever, whoever the world he works with, I don't, I don't think he works with Clarissa, Clarissa Shields, but either way. Helping have a hand in elevating women's boxing, phenomenal. Hope he keeps on doing that. But as in-ring talent, he is bad. He's a legitimate boxer, but he's bad. He's so bad. He's horrible. He is not a good boxer at all. And against somebody that actually knows what they're doing in the ring and commits to the fundamentals of boxing, he has no shot at beating them. No shot at beating him. Tommy Fury don't even have that much power. He better be glad he didn't face somebody, again, like I seen about that actually had power. Oh, he would have been out. It would have been done. It would have been over. It, it, it would have been a bad KO. Potential hospital level KO. That's what I see. Tommy Fury, hey, good on you. Hope you keep on fighting. Hope you actually, now from this experience, take boxing seriously outside of the other endeavors. Hone your skills. Get from a below average fighter to an average fighter to a solid fighter and keep elevating your talent. Will it happen? Probably not. He's not going to be a world champion. I only think he's going to be a contender. But, Point still stands. That night, on the biggest stage of his career, Tommy Fury did what he needed to do. And that's all anybody wanted would have asked him to do. That's all. Take care of business. Don't let the moment overwhelm you. And actively box. And he actively boxed. Ain't got a W for it. Ain't got paid for it. So I ain't mad at him. That's so, shoot, that's the breakdown of that fight. My whole spiel on that. Now, for the next Invite Round. Oh boy, it's, it's time. It's the, where's my music? Where's that music? It's time. It's time to talk about the highly anticipated return of one of the greatest UFC fighters in history, if not the greatest of all time, John Bones Jones versus Surreal Gun. That's right. It's happening. Ain't you excited? I'm telling you, I am. We are finally going to get to see John Jones back after three years of being out the ring. What will we see from John Jones? And just before we break down the fight, just to put this into perspective, understand what's at risk for this. One of the greatest feats that we've ever seen, not just in in the UFC, but probably in any sport. One of the greater feats that we've seen in any sport. Three-year layoff, moving up to heavyweight, potentially uh, having the opportunity to grasp the heavyweight championship of the world from a young contender, one of the most lethal strikers in the heavyweight division right now, one of the most technical strikers right now in Syria. This could be a really incredible thing this would solidify him for me as the greatest of all time if he does this if he does this if he does this and we've seen people do this before again Sugar Ray Leonard in the boxing world Sugar Ray Leonard went years out of the rink came back and immediately fought marvelous Marvin Hagel in one of the greatest fights in boxing history the first fight out of retirement or out of coming back from retirement I think he lost the fight, but it, go and watch it for yourself. I believe it's on, shoot, Top Frank probably has it on, on YouTube for you to see. I know ESPN Plus has it, I believe, and you can go watch it right now. It's one of the greatest fights that you will ever see. I guarantee right now, though, Marvelous Marvin Hacker got robbed. There's a reason why he stopped fighting after that because there was no, nothing else to do. He knew he won the fight, he, but he lost. He said, no, I'm done. I don't blame him, but even still, even still, it was incredible to see. Incredible to see, and now we're having that a similar thing happen with John Jones. The only thing is that's different, he's moving up in weight. So, in the, I believe, I believe, Sugar Ray Leonard uh, did he do it? I can't remember if he did it, but moving up to heavyweight is a radical, radical risk for anybody to take. And going up against John Jones is, like I said, serial Gant, who again. Already had a shot at the title. Against Francis Ngannou. Lost. But. Even in losing. Show why he was so deadly. Because he forced Ngannou. To become a grappler. Forced Francis Ngannou. One of the most devastating. And right now. The equivalent of Mike Tyson. For the UFC. The baddest man on the planet. At that point in time. To stop. To, to essentially to stop using his best weapon, which is his, which is his hands and striking, and go to the grapple game to win the fight. Francis inevitably goes on and wins the fight on the ground by grappling and by scoring takedowns, but even still, forcing him to completely switch up his game plan. Wow. Wow. You want to talk about a feat even in defeat? That's what John Jones is going up against. Now, breaking down the fight in and of itself, what is it that John Jones needs to do to win this fight? Well, it's a it's a very I'm not gonna say simple, but it's, it's 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 something that we've seen John Jones do before. John Jones has to outthink Serial Gunn and be able to take advantage of the small openings in standing exchanges that's one of the major things we take, john jones is one of the best strikers that this, this this game has ever seen that this game has ever seen. point blank period i don't whoever you want to put it on that pedestal john jones is right there this is control stupid it's it's great footwork great Distance management, great. Ability to read the opponent, great. There's nothing on the feet. There's nothing that John Jones cannot do in stand-up. It's it's incredible. Now, granted, he doesn't have the same uh, reach that we've seen him have in the past. 10, 11 inches of reach, that's not the case no more. Now he's going up the heavyweight. So he still got a longer reach than Cyril Guein, but it's only what three, four inches. So it's not going to be as advantageous as well. Cyril Ghan is six foot four, six three, six four, just about as tall as John Jones. So it's 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 a legitimate concern for him in terms of well, now you're going up against a fighter who is, to be frank. Built like you, many of the advantages that you had are not there anymore. In terms of the height, in terms of the length, in terms of the reach, it's not—it's not the same. It's not as dominant. Now, even with that being said, one of the things that can still make this fight go for John Jones' favor favor is even though the reach, um and height disparity is not nearly as egregious and as wide in terms of the gap between two fighters as it used to be. It can still be in John Jones' favor because we know John Jones is incredible, especially in the clinch on the feet. His ability to, to, again, his ability to throw elbows and pick shots on the inside, feel the opponent on him and know exactly what to do, Without, even, even if you can't see him, it's great. It's great. He's a precise striker. He's a powerful striker. From both, whether it's with his hands or with his legs. He's creative. He'll lead you into shots. He's got it all in terms of as, an, as a striker. Again, there's a reason why he's one of the greatest of all time. Some people say he's the greatest of all time wherever you want to put him in, there's a reason why he's there. (laughs) There's a reason why he's there at that high of a level. And so he can, but now that even though he's got the ability to win on the feet, the one thing that can really win him this fight is if he takes this to the ground and grapples Cyril Ghan. Going back to what I say about Francis Ngannou, Francis Ngannou, like I said, is, is, even though he's not in the UFC, when he was in the UFC, was the most feared striker in arguably the history of the sport. The most feared in the history of the sport. Not the best, but the most feared. I'll stand on that. I'll stand on that to the day I die. More feared than Overman. More feared than Rampage Jackson. More feared than Anderson Silva. More feared than John Jones. More feared than Chuck Liddell. We can go on and on and on about strikers who've been in the history of the sport who have been deadly. More more fear than Derrick Lewis. There was nobody in the history of the UFC that was as scary to go up against as Francis Ngannou because his ability to catch anybody and everybody was so, not only dynamic, but was so paramount. It was so much of a threat that it just overshadowed everything else. Everything else. The Deontay Wilder of the division and of the sport at that point in time. In terms of just, just you don't want to go against them because you know at any given point you can get clipped. Just like that. Like just at any given point in time. I believe Derek Lewis has the most knockouts in UFC history. Even still. Francis Ngannou was the scariest person in the UFC at the point in time when he was there. Even though Ciryl Gane forced him on the ground, Ciryl Gane was still able to get was still able to be taken down. And Francis Ngannou, for everything I said just about him as the scariest person in the world in the UFC world, he was and is not a great grappler. What made him so scary and, and, and uh, fulfilled the prophecy, quote unquote, of, oh my gosh, this man may be unstoppable. Is, what, what was it? Was it Miotic? When he faced off against Miotic, won the heavyweight championship and defended Mjotic's take takedown attempts. It was takedown defense. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, you can't take him down. He may not be able to take you down, but he—but you can't take him down. And because of that, boom, there's there's no way to beat him. There's no way to beat him. That's what it was. But it wasn't because he was a great grappler. He just understood and learned how to actually defend takedowns. But when he was forced to actually go and take somebody else down because he was getting outstruck by Cyril Gaunt, He was able to have success strictly off of brute strength. Not even great technique, just brute strength. He was able to bring him down. And it was impressive. Again, it was another facet to Francis Ngannou's game that was like, oh, shoot. It makes him even more of a hard fighter to beat. Just adds on to the aura of fear that Francis Ngannou has. But the point still stands. He he is not a great grappler in any way, shape, or form and Cyril Gunn many people can argue or many people argue and I be, I'm be i in that camp as well is one of the how do we put this nicely worst grapplers in the division in terms of, of the contenders in the heavyweight division of the contenders in the heavyweight division he may be not the best or, or the, the, the weakest of contenders in the division John Jones went and went to war with D.C. Cormier. And took D.C. down. And D.C. is one of the greatest grapplers that we've seen in the sport. Maul chill Sonnen. We can go on and on and on. There's so many people that he's just grappling. He's just dominated. Again, didn't dominate D.C., excuse me. But was able to actually take him down and actually compete with him which is something few people can say. He never ended in a knockout. First, what was it, what was it, first one decision, second one knockout. Both the wins, either way. Went and was able to grapple with DC. And has taken down many other great grapplers in their primes when they went against him. He is a phenomenal grappler and wrestler. Serial gone is not. And Cyril Gunn was able to take, get taken down by somebody that is not great at grappling in or wrestling. The technique between John Jones and Francis Ngannou is so big in terms of the gap between them. You best believe that John Jones is the best situation to be able to beat Cyril Gunn. Better not be to strike, it better be to take him to the ground and use his innate ability just to know what to do at the right point in time and 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 shoot submit him if he can but use that grappling to your advantage don't be content with saying oh you're a great striker guess what i'm john jones i can fight anybody in any style which he can but that doesn't mean that he should i can beat you at your own game let's go at it he shouldn't do that John Jones had better use his grappling and take Cyril Ghosn down. He better take him down. Better wear him down. Better use Cyril Ghosn's weakest link early and often. And don't let it get to a point where he's got to, uh, okay, this isn't working, now it's time to grapple. Don't let it get to that because this is the heavyweight division. And this leads straight into what is, what can potentially be one of the bigger problems with John Jones moving into heavyweight and how he can lose this fight. We know he can win on defeat, even though it's going to be hard because Real guys is one of, the most te- one of the most technical fighters in the, U- in the UFC heavyweight division right now. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. And we know that John Jones can absolutely, if it's John Jones that we think is going into the ring can out grapple and out wrestle serial gun we know that's the truth we know that's the case and we know that's a fact but John Jones can still lose his fight because of the fact that he can get knocked out it's a legitimate threat because what people don't understand or what people may fail to see if you're new to the sport of combat sports is the fact that once you as you move up You can get caught at any point in time, and when you move up to heavyweight, this is, when you move up to heavyweight, it gets scary. It gets scary out there, because now any punch can take you out. From the worst striker in the world in the heavyweight division can take you out at heavyweight, because it's, it's just big men throwing punches. And at any given point in time, if you get caught wrong, you're done. I get that can happen for any other weight class, but heavyweight specifically, brother, from a jab to getting barely clipped with a hook at half the speed and half the power, it can take you out. A fighter can have zero gas tank, another fighter can have a hundred, and you catch him, you're done. That's the danger of heavyweights, and John Jones moving up to heavyweight can potentially be a very dangerous thing because I don't know how his chin is going to be able to take those shots. I don't know how his body's going to be able to take punch. Rate. We've never seen him at this weight. We've never seen him go up against people this heavy. We haven't. We haven't seen him go up against strikers this dangerous in terms of knockout power. Especially somebody like Cyril Ghan. Especially somebody like Cyril Gunn. Shoot, they were like, whoa, 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 who was it? Was it Michael Bisping or, or somebody? Was it him? Somebody? I, I think it might have been Michael Bisping. I heard talking about this fight. He was essentially saying that. Whoa, 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 what was it that he was saying? Dog on it. Don't don't, don't tell me I lost my train of thought. I can't remember what he said verbatim. But essentially, moving up to this big of a weight class, you don't know what your body can take, up until it takes it. And if it takes you wrong, buddy, you're done. And that's what can happen with John Jones. He can get caught on the chin. He can get caught behind the head. He can get caught behind the ear. He can get caught in the body. And he can't stand it, potentially. And going up against one of the more precise technical strikers in the sport in the heavyweight division today, in Cyril Ghan, You can get touched. People can... This is what he said, doggone it. He might not have faced... Was it him or Keith Wonderboy Johnson that said? I can't remember. One or two. One of them said, and I tend to agree, John Jones hasn't faced a technical striker like this since Gustafson. He hasn't faced a technical striker since Gustafson. In terms of technique, and ability to pick their shots right all the time. His toughest fight was against Alexander Gustafson. Again, went to the Hall of Fame for the UFC for, for for again, one of the greatest fights the UFC's ever had. He hasn't faced somebody this technical since Alexander Gustafson. And you can argue Surreal Ghosn is more technical and is a better striker than Gustafson. And on top of the power, or excuse me, on top of the technique, he's got the power of being a heavyweight. And I think you can argue, not argue, I think he's more fluid than Gustafson. He's got better footwork. He, 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 you can Potentially, he's just as fast in terms of striking as Gustafson. And potentially, he's more precise than Gustafson. he you got all these things. that He's going to get a better Gustafson. You're going up. You're fighting a better Alexander Gustafson, and you already were, again, hotly contested going up against the actual Gustafson. Good gosh, <laughs> I mean, this could be bad. This could be bad. And then on top of that, the what is John Jones going to be like once he steps into the ring? In terms of how is he going to be able to handle his body? The man's what? Somebody say he's walking around at 260, 240, whatever the case may be. The the, the mid to high two, 200s. With that, brother, can your body withstand having all that weight on your frame? Can you legitimately keep up or will you gas out early in the fight? Now, granted, he's done it right. He spent three years broken up Training, taking time off in order to be prepared to actively handle moving up the heavyweight. Done it the best way possible. The best way possible. The only thing I don't like is the fact that he's facing Cyril god as his first fight, which he had fought a lesser opponent in his induction, name, then went on to challenger. But hey, he's doing what he's doing. Point still stands, however, the brother still has to account for the fact and you as fans have to account for the fact that he may not be able to be the same John Jones that we've seen him be because his body may not have the ability to do what we know the old John Jones has the capabilities to do. Why? Because now he all that weight, all that mass, all that new found muscle may hinder his ability to actually be as fluid as we know he can be on top of the fact, like I said, with stamina, the butter may not be able to do the things that he wants to do because he may gas out and he, his body may not let him do those things that we know he can do for long, if at all. Because it takes too much energy, especially in the heat of a fight. Training camp is fighting. It's two completely different things. They're two completely different things. It's two completely different levels of fatigue. Those who train right and are able to master mastering in fight stamina, great. Those who don't, it's apparent. It's apparent. And we don't know what John Jones is gonna be, gonna be when he's set into the ring with his stamina. Like I said with like I've said in the past with Canelo Alvarez. When he moved up against Demetri Bivol, what happened? He looked. Nowhere close to the Canelo that we know can be and what we've seen. He didn't look like the undisputed champion Canelo that Again, throwing big looping shots one shot at a time, not throwing combination punches like we know he can do. Head movement wasn't as crisp and as sharp. Wasn't actually using a lot of head movement at all, more so covering up and blocking and had to rely on power shots instead of actually setting up with fluid combinations because his body was going to gas out even quicker if he went and just threw combination punches when he had the Dimitri people on the ropes or when he was trying to come in. Looked like He looked like another version of the fighter that we know he can be. That's what happened to Canelo. It affected him greatly, his ability to fight. Now we know the limits of him as a fighter. We... Don't know if that's going to happen to John Jones, but we do know that it's a possibility because we've seen it happen in the past with other people. Moving up, moving down in weight has effects on the body. And if it affects you wrong, and if you're not prepped for it, it can be detrimental fight ending in some cases because, because now that you don't have the stamina, boom, a, Shots that maybe wouldn't have affected you. Maybe are going to affect you even more. Let alone the fact that you're moving up. And now those shots that may affect you even more are heavyweight shots, which even further elevates the risk. These are all the things that can potentially go wrong for John Jones. He can't. And I'm not going to get into the drugs or the pictograms, whatever the words are going on. All the outside stuff is outside stuff. Whatever the case may be. Hey, that's what happened. That's life. That's life. At this point in time right now. You hate that that's life, but that's life. It happened. It has happened. It's in the past. hopefully it's in the past permanently for John Jones, but it is a part of his career. With that being said, has that caught up with him? And will it catch up with them in this fight? The reason why I said it is because when he, in his, la- well, what was his last fight? Doggone, let me make sure I got this right. John Jones's last fight was against, was it, was it, was it, was it Reyes? Let me, let me, let me make sure, let me make sure, let me make sure. Dominic Reyes, yep. John Jones' last fight was against Dominic Reyes. And it went to a decision and he won. Many people were arguing that he lost that fight. And there's been a couple fights that he's had that were not his best outings. This is after the drugs and stuff were in his past. Hopefully he's put that behind him, like I said before. But in his last couple of outings like against the, uh, Thiago Santos, for example, he it hasn't been the same dominant John Jones that we've seen before. Some people could say that oh he's just fighting up to the level of competition, and if it's not up to par, uh, he may not give everything. Hence, it might be closer. We've seen that happen with with fighters. That could happen. That's a potential. Absolutely doesn't change the fact that if that is the case. Where does he view Cyril God Because if he fights up to the caliber that he thinks that Cyril Ghosn is and underestimates him, well, boom, this is, is going to be in the knockout. This is, gonna, this is going to end in the knockout or unanimous decision for Cyril Ghosn if that is the case. But even if that's not the case, if he does take everything seriously, if he does go and, and, and put his all, like I think he's doing in this fight, it doesn't. View Cyril God as just you know somebody beneath him. Will still his past catch up to him and cause him not to be able to perform at his best? Will that be a legitimate thing that 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 finally, definitively, adds a real loss to his record? Again, he's twenty six and out yes, that or twenty six and one. Excuse me, that one loss is a disqualification in a fight that he was dominating. So you can really look at it as 27-0. and 0. Will this be the first real loss that he has? And will it come because of all the stuff that happened outside the ring with John Jones now has caught up with them to the point that now his innate talent is in know-how of the game isn't enough to carry him because now his body isn't where it used to be. That's one. Of, that's one of the real things that can happen. It's one of the real threats that can happen. Legitimately, it's 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 a possibility. I hope it's not the case, but that's what can happen. Outside life catching up with in ring talent. It's happened before. It it's, it's happened before. It, it it can ruin careers, and because of that, it's not there's not, there's it's not out the question for you to ask whether or not we're going to see the same John Jones that we know we've seen before. Not just because of moving up a weight, not just because of potentially uh, uh, the body not being able to withstand all that muscle in a re- in an actual fight, all that extra mass, potentially impeding his ability to fight like the John Jones that we've seen before. But will the outside shenanigans, as we'll call it, to put it lightly, hinder his ability to actually perform in the ring despite him wanting to give it his all? All this is a real possibility. And if he loses... Does it hurt his legacy? No. It doesn't. He's still regarded as one of the greatest, if not the greatest UFC fighter of all time. It doesn't. This loss will not hurt him in the realm of his career. No. we all, Like I said, We like I've said in the past, with boxers, with combat sports in general, we love seeing fighters challenge themselves. We want to see them go and push themselves. We want to see them go and strive to be better than what even we think they can be. What they think they can be, push the limits of what your body can do. We respect that. We applaud that because we know how much of 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 a of a chore, of a strain, and of a risk that is for the fighter. We respect it. Never going to get credit for somebody that loses when they when they're taking risk like that. But despite that, Rod won't hurt his legacy. It will be the beginning of us asking questions of, is the John Jones that we knew gone, just like with Anderson silver when he lost there was a clear discrepancy of the Anderson Silver that looked unbeatable versus the Anderson Silver that was now competing. You saw it. it was not the same Anderson silver. What do you want to call it life and money? dulling his fight senses making it so that he wasn't as hungry which can potentially be with john jones or just wear and tear whatever the world you want to say it is it can happen it can happen and will it happen for john jones and even if the fire is there will it just be that he was just too inactive and not he he, he wasn't his prime years have now finally passed him by that's the concern that we're talking about in terms of john jones has it is it now the point in time when we look at it and say john jones despite what we know you can do you're just not that guy anymore you're no longer bones you're just jones jones is still great jones is still good Jones can still beat a bunch of people, but Bones Jones could beat anybody. Are you still John Bones Jones? Or are you now just John Jones? Is there going to be a drop off in you? And that may be uncontrollable. For everything that we want to say about everything that he can do to win, like wrestling, like grappling. Like, still using his creativity as a striker. Like, being able to catch the real gun on the inside. Like, being able to catch the real gun coming in. Like, using his ability to, 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 to attack the leg and attack the knee, even though some people say attacking that knee is illegal or should be illegal, excuse me. Attacking the kneecap can, can injure somebody permanently for the rest of their life. Maybe that should be banned from the UFC. Hey, that's a conversation for another day. But right now, We know all those tools in the tool shed of John Jones are at his disposal from what we can tell. But can he actually use them? We're going to have to see because potentially age and just inactivity may just shut off a lot of those tools that while they're still at his disposal, he's banned from using them. By his own body. All of this are legitimate concerns. For Jones. In this fight. We could either see one of the greatest feats. That we've seen. In UFC history. Or. We could see. The beginning. Of the end. Potentially. For one of the greatest fighters that we've ever seen. If not the greatest fighter that we've ever seen. Again. One loss doesn't ruin his career. If he loses, like I said with Canelo, the same thing, and like I said for Roy Jones Jr., it could be the same thing for John Jones' situation. He found out his limit. He found out where he can compete at his best. And what his body will actively allow him to, to him to fully be him, moves back down and continues to fight there. No problem. That can happen that can happen. A loss moving up doesn't hurt. Move back down, get back comfortable, and fight like you want to fight. Hey, hey, great. Do what you want to do. Absolutely. It's a viable option. But if it doesn't happen. But if he if he does lose, excuse me. Lost in trans for a second. But if he does lose. And moves back down. That brings up a whole nother can of worms. Like with Roy Jones Jr. Oh you're not the same fighter anymore. You push your body too far. Even if he does win. And performs. And let's say that Francis Ngannou doesn't come back to the UFC. If he drops the belt. Moves back down. It may be the same thing like with Roy Jones Jr. That his body just gave out on him. It was never the same. And it was too big of a shift. That his body just was not the same. Reaction time not the same. Whole fight style not the same. And even if he wins. And stays at heavyweight. How long. Will his body be able to, to sustain. The John Jones that we know. Up until it finally gives out. Because I don't think his body can. I don't. I don't th- not think. Excuse me. I don't know. Let me phrase that. I don't know what his body can withstand that much extra mass, even though he put it on the right way over a long period of time. I don't know how long he. I don't know how long he can sustain that level of extra mass for a heavyweight career before his body just says, "I I, I can't do it," before he just can't perform. All of these things are. Legitimate concerns from my perspective. But in terms of winning the fight, he can win it grappling. He can win it on the ground, definitely. If he takes it to the ground, that probably is going to be his best ability to win because of his incredibly high acumen in the world of, of wrestling. If he grapples on defeat, again, with his ability to fight in the clinch, phenomenal. Oh, yeah, he can win in there. He can win on the feet, absolutely. But he can also get caught on the feet. And one shot from Cyril Ghosn can end the night. It can. And whether his body can withstand the power of Cyril Ghosn is a question that needs to be asked. I have, for prediction, I have John Jones winning. By submission in the fourth or fifth round, it's going five rounds, quick. Yeah, it's going five rounds. I have John Jones winning by submission in the fifth round because, again, of that wrestling acumen. And he submitted other people before, like Le- 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 Leota Leota. Le- La- How do you say his name? Leota leorta Machida. Excuse me if I'm saying his name. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I kept messing it up. What the world. Wow. Excuse me. leorta, leorta Machida. When he choked him out. Phenomena. Can that same thing happen with. Serial gone. Absolutely it can. All these avenues are built for John Jones to win. But will it happen is only predicated on two things. One, if he can, like I said, withstand the power of John Jones. And two, if we're going to see the same John Jones that we know we've seen before. Because if we're not seeing that, we're talking about a whole different fight. Like with Conor McGregor when he came back, he just didn't look the same. Fight style had a complete, had a completely revamped his fight style for the worse. Karate stance to boxing stance. Knocked out. We've seen. We we've seen the the, the downfalls of fighters take a similar trajectory like we've seen with John Jones. Could this be the time where we say, Yo? You're just not the same guy anymore. I hope that's not the case. We may, we're we going to have to see what happens. Again, if he loses, if he wins, it'll be by submission, in my estimation. If he loses, it'll be by knockout. If he loses, it will be by knockout. Or unanimous decision, because Cyril Ghan will be able to potentially defend the wrestling and grappling just enough to where his striking on the feet potentially will be too much for John Jones. Not because of ability, but because of the, but more so, even though he has the ability. Again, like I said, one of the most technical UFC fighters today in the heavyweight division. But more so, the threat and feeling the power. If you're John Jones, may dissuade you from being as active on the feet as we know you can be and because of that you may lose because you weren't able to be as active all these things are possibilities but i still have john jones winning by submission in the fourth round capping off one of the greatest feats i've seen in ufc history three-year layoff coming back, moving up to heavyweight and winning against a contender who forced one of the greatest or one of the most feared fighters in heavyweight history to change their whole, their whole game plan and their whole fight style. If he can do that, my goodness, we're talking about, and I will concede him as the greatest of all time. Right now I have Anderson Silva at his peak, I don't think anybody was better than Anderson Silva. Not George St. Pierre. Even not John Jones. But if John Jones does this, more than happy to say, John Jones is the greatest UFC fighter we've ever seen. More than happy to say. Better than Demetrius Johnson. Better than anybody. Better than anybody. I will say that he's the greatest of all time no qualms with saying that at all but only time will tell and i can't wait for that fight to happen march 4th my goodness we are two days away from from a monumental event and trust and believe we'll be back right here to cover it right here on the watch report so this has been another episode of the watch report i've been so happy to be with you thank you for listening thank you for watching thank you for joining in again please Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, share with everybody that you know We're available on every major podcast platform as well And you can check us out anywhere at any point in time Any given place where it is, if we're not there, tell me and I'll get right on it This has been The World Report, I've been your host John Luke Welch. You've been my, view- my beautiful viewers and listeners We're gonna get out of here, peace and love We out!